Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Denzel, welcome to It's TechTastic. It is lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Smarty AI. I'm going with it's a productivity personal assistant tool. That's how I want to think about it. Is that right? That's totally right. We are trying to be a conversational assistant, but instead of delegating tasks to another person, it's about empowering yourself and getting it done via automation. So this is a great time to be doing that. I think anybody paying attention to the tech news knows that there's a lot of layoffs going on. And that means that there's a lot of people out there hustling and trying to figure out what their next thing is. And with that amount of activity, you need to be organized and you need to be prepared and deliberate or you're just gonna get lost in the shuffle. That is so true. I think AI is going to be such a transformational tool for pretty much every industry, every person. I think it's going to become a very mainstream tool. But at the end of the day, that is what it is. It's just a tool. I don't think it's going to be replacing any humans. It'll be more humans with AI. So artists with AI tools, writers with AI tools, coders with AI tools. And I use AI for helping me code, helping me strategize, write content. It is such a transformational productivity tool. And then within Smarty, we are using AI to create these conversational commands. So an example of something you can do in Smarty is say something like coffee with Christian at Blue Bottle in New York City at 3 p.m. London time. And Smarty will handle the location, the contact, the time zone change, and automatically send a calendar invite to both of us. And that's in calendar management, but we're trying to be in all of the administrative tasks that you do from email, tasks, contacts, all of it. I've had executive admins at most of my previous roles because they're so valuable to uh, protecting your time and making sure that the intent is executed on, not just the ask. So as you just described it, like, I want to meet with Christian. You might only have to say like, hey, I need to meet with Jason. And they would have went about figuring out like, okay, Christian always wants coffee with his meetings. You know, he's gonna want certain things. Jason's in New York and she would have figured all that out. And it's extremely helpful to have that shorthand. Does Smarty intend to do that? Does it intend to understand intent? Yes, exactly. And we're already building some of those personal preferences into Smarty today. So you can say something like coffee with Christian 30 minutes during my working hours or during my afternoons before January. And Smarty will automatically find a time where you're both free if Smarty has access to the other person's calendar and set up a meeting. So we're already starting to build in these personalization parameters. And I like to think of AI as transformational for three main reasons. I call it the three P's of AI. AI is predictive, it's proactive, and it's personalized. And so predictive means that AI should be able to look at what you're doing, the context of what you're doing, and predict what you're gonna do next. Then it should be proactive. It should be able to give you recommendations around those next steps, saying, oh, if you want coffee with cushion, oh, you like to go to Blue Bottle, do you want that to be the location? So kind of predicting and then acting on those preferences. And then over time, building up a data repository about your preferences and personalizing those next steps without even having to ask you knowing what is the most likely thing you're gonna want next. So I think every AI tool is gonna be following these pillars and we're trying to do that at Smarty too. 
That's fantastic. So I'm, I'm definitely going to check out your product. It sounds uh, like something I need right now, especially at the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey, right? Your small team, everybody's the chief cook and the bottle washer. And you need to really be deliberate about your time and how you're using it. And there's a lot of things that we think of as non-essential, but they're really, really important. The you know scheduling the meetings and all that kind of fun stuff. And they can take a tremendous amount of your time. I need to fly down to San Francisco in a week to meet with a bunch of different investors and they're going to have very specific times they can meet in different locations. But figuring out, you know, do I get an Uber or do I do a rental car or where do I get the hotel? Is it going to be in uh, San Jose or is it going to be up on the peninsula or where am I going to be? Like that can take hours and hours and hours of your time. And it's time that you could be putting towards, I don't know, building your product. Totally. I think uh, I'm actually from the Bay Area. So I grew up in San Jose and I totally understand what you're saying about how these mundane tasks are taking up all of your time. And that's actually why I started building Smarty. I read the statistic about how over a quarter of the work that we were doing could be easily automated with existing technology. And I knew that and I wanted to build it. And actually today, with all of the advancements in technology, it's almost more than half of the work we're doing. And the fact is technology is better at some of these tasks. Scheduling, finding efficient, optimal times, figuring out how to like automate sending emails or sending follow-ups, all of that is easier with technology and harder for humans because we are not as logical always. And we really want tools that free us up to do more of the creative work, work that AI is not necessarily as good at. Yeah, AI is good at things that we're not good at, you know, holding together many, 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 many variables and, and analyzing against those and making a determination from it. We're not good at that. But what we are good at is create creative words, the wrong word. We're great at taking things from radically different points of view and comparing them against each other and then making something new from that to say that this is kind of like this. What if I applied this to this concept? And I don't see AI, even when we get into AGI, really having that because it lacks the contextual awareness of the world around it. It, it can't take a look at a chair and go, wait, if I just put wheels on it, I would have this new thing and call it a wheelchair. It would need somebody to tell it you need to create something like a wheelchair. I agree. Right now, AI is so dependent on past data, it's impossible for it to create something completely new without some sort of pre-example that it's drawing from. And I think that might be the magic of AGI if it's able to like create something completely new and out of the box. But I don't know if that's possible. And I don't think the best researchers today know if that's possible, but that's definitely something everyone's striving for. I don't know about you, I'm curious about when you got into software. I'm pretty sure it was really young, uh, right? Because most of us, if we got into it, there was a magical moment when we realized that we were kind of these wizards and everybody else was a muggle if they didn't understand how to do the fun things in the computer. Um, and for me, that was very young. Me too. I was eight years old in school and we were learning Logo with the little turtle. It was like a little programming language for kids with a turtle and you would make the turtle like solve puzzles and build houses and move things around. and I fell in love with it and I really, I like it clicked for me. It was so logical. I understood exactly how it worked. And I do think there was a little bit of this like, oh, I get this faster than my peers. Like I understand it. And then it was so magical to this idea that you could build something out of like a few sentences of code. And I kind of just kept pursuing that. I was lucky too, that I grew up in the heart of the Bay Area. So I had a lot of exposure to other software engineers from my friend's parents to my own dad. Like there was just a lot of exposure too. 
I mean, the only thing that could be better is if you're like your dad was a software engineer and your grandfather was a software engineer. And so you had that multi-generational knowledge being passed forward at a very young age, but being exposed to it early and being able to like grasp it early because of some interest or innate quality. But uh, what I find about people that are especially early into AI is that we all have a draw towards technology as almost this magical thing that can create a better world for us. And we want to go do that. I agree. I think there's something really high impact about what AI can do for humanity today, like solving the education teacher shortage problem, nursing shortage. AI can solve a lot of like this work that we don't have enough human capability or capacity for. And I think that is really exciting. I also was going to say that when I was in high school, a lot of my um, teachers who were in the computer science space, they were like, oh, AI is kind of like the fountain of youth. People have been searching for it for <laughs> decades, but I don't know if it's ever going to yeah. happen. Back then, um, our teacher was teaching expert systems. And now that's such a thing of the past with neural networks and machine learning. Like AI is feeling like a real reality. I've been talking to people who were like in the heart of machine learning research just a couple of years ago. And they're like, wow, this has just opened up new doors where like everyone is starting almost from the same foundation. If you have a tech background, if you're interested in AI, like you can start experimenting and become a leader in this space if that's what you want, if you're passionate about it. I'm curious if you saw the Rabbit R1 release at the, the most, re I don't remember which conference it was, but it was just released. It's a device that's meant to compete with the iPhone and it's an AI personal assistant that sounds a lot like Smarty AI, by the way. That's this way you should check it oh, out. Wow. Yeah, I will definitely will. <laughs> it was a big announcement. It's been panned pretty broadly, but there's something there that's right. I think that there's an absolute need for that AI personal assistant in today's world. And I think that going beyond that, especially with, it can be used for good, of course, but just like I said with fire, you can heat your house, you can burn it down. That also means that there's people out there, bad actors that are gonna use it to do bad things. And we already know that passwords were always a bad version of trying to protect our data and our identity. And so we've tried all these other versions that are just extending the capabilities of that, like multi-factor authentication and all that kind of fun stuff, which are all flawed right? Yeah. Because almost all of them are harder for a human than they are for a machine. So I, my view is that at some point we need that AI assistant at the edge on our device that acts as a almost an avatar for us into the world that exposes the data we want exposed for things like, I want to get a flight ticket and there's certain information I want to share, but does a very good job of protecting the rest. You are speaking my vision. That is exactly how I see the future of AI and like future of software in general, like where you are in control of all of your own data. And that is definitely like how we're building out Smarty today too. It's very much like we are not sharing your data. We only share the information that's most needed for the interaction that is happening at that time. And I think that is the future. And I do think all devices will be moving in that direction. Awesome. So if I wanted Smarty.ai right now, do I go to the app store or where do I get it? So we're just a web app right now. We started as a chatbot, then became a Chrome extension, and now we're just a web app. And then if this year goes well, we're hoping to release a mobile app too. Smarty.ai. Smarty.ai is the website. Go check it out. We're in early web app form, and we're doing all of these conversational commands that I was talking about. I'm really excited to try Avola too, because as you said, the unit test, the code base, it needs these janitorial services, and we are not doing the best there. Nobody <laughs> does. Like if you're doing the job, right? If you're doing the job right, and this is the thing I had to explain to like one of the groups of investors we were talking to. They're like, well, then you just need to hire better engineers. I'm like, look, 
I have some of the best engineers on planet Earth. We stole them from Microsoft and DocuSign and other places because we told them what we were doing and they were like, yes, you're the future, we're going to go do that. And they make a bigger mess than anybody because they don't care about all that stuff. They're going fast. That's what makes them great is they're solving the actual problem that we need solved as fast as possible. And they're good enough that they don't need to make all the documentation and all that because it, look, man, it works. I don't need tests. I'm just going. But that's a problem. It is a problem. I get that because I'm the same way. I'm like, okay, let's just hack together a solution and we'll come back and fix it later. I actually believe that's almost always the right. I, I didn't used to. I thought that like gradual evolution was good. But if you think of what code really is, it's our embedding our best understanding of today and the today's needs in a way that the computer understands it. And the instant that changes for whatever reason, why are you just trying to modify it? Why don't you like recraft it? It's often faster to just rebuild it. Yeah, I think I'm also starting to lean towards that more and more, especially now that I've been in like starting something and building something from scratch myself. We've done that a couple of times, just like started from scratch, new repo and just built it from the ground up. And it takes a little bit longer, but overall in the long term, that's better. You're creating better code and creating something more sustainable. It's hit or miss. Like we've had some very big teams that it was just a lot faster to start over because there was just so much time that would be spent in the discovery process of like, what does it do? Why does it do that? Should it do that? Like that process was so long that we could have rewritten it off of what we think we need to do now in just that phase. I think I'm leaning more and more towards that as well, that methodology. And I think bigger companies are doing that as well. Like I recently heard from someone who works at a big tech company that uh, they did a code freeze and then just rebuilt from scratch. And I think a lot of people are coming around to this methodology. Yeah, especially with like Copilot, some of these tools that allow you to go so fast. It's like, why? Why bother? Just start over. And we're going to have tools that like analyze older code bases and will like provide recommendations. This is actually how it should have been architected. This is, a, and that's what Bill is doing. So like that's amazing. <laughs> like that is the future for sure. Yeah, we went down the path of, uh, uh, I, I'm gonna share my stupid story on this. So <laughs> I, about a year and a half ago, I wrote a project I called Mother and Brother. Now, Mother was Copilot. That's exactly the same thing. It did exactly the same thing. It sat over my shoulder and told me where I was screwing things up and how to do a better job. Brother tried to do kind of the opposite. It tried to be better than me before I did it. So it it would look at the things I was doing and try to create a solution. I love that. That's so funny too. Like your sibling's competitive and your parent is like, well, this is how you should do it. <laughs> yeah, the one's kind of coaching you and the one's like, hey, good job, but I did a better job. Ha ha, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, the, the thing that I realized while building this was that, first of all, I mean, it's cool, but it, it really wasn't that useful. I, I don't think Copilot's that useful for a good software engineer. It's giving you recommendations that you're like, yeah, yeah, shut up, <laughs> and just going. Brother was useful, very useful. Um, but what it was tending to do was it was looking at all the places that you just like, oh, I should have written unit tests because I would have found this problem before it hit me. And so it would go do those things. And so it ended up being all the janitorial services. And I went, oh, that's actually what's missing. Yeah, that will help you level up. Yeah. And once that's there, once you have the tests and you understand why, because if you write tests first, you do test-driven development. Yeah, TDD. Right. It's like the best way to do things, but no one does it. <laughs> right. If you do that from an AI tool, though, and you would integrate with like Jira and some of their tools where they're putting in the requirements, what you can do is actually predict where it's going and generate that. 
and better yet, like you could start to tell them when like, hey, your system today does this. That's not what you actually wanted it to do because we now understand the business needs. And if the business needs change because we wrote a new story about it, we can just go build it. And so when I started doing that process, I was like, oh no, we're going beyond janitorial services and we're going into this view of replacing effectively all tech debt. Because if they want to move from Google Cloud to Azure, they're going to have to refactor all this stuff. Well, that's a business requirement. That is not really a technical requirement. So if we capture that in some form and we completely understand their logic because we've written all the tests against it, we have that whole view, as well as you know we've scanned all their code, we understand what it looks like, we can migrate them instantly. This is much more modular. You can see exactly where code needs to change and everything else is sustainable and robust without like these business requirements. And that's where I got to the point of like, oh my God, code is ephemeral. Like, and it should be, it, it's just a moment in time. And the faster we can get from this idea of it being a durable, valuable thing to it being just an ephemeral moment in time understanding, the better, because we get trapped by it. It's funny as a technologist and somebody has a technology podcast, I'm actually fairly almost like a neo-Luddite. Like I try to avoid technology in my personal life as much as possible because I'm so engrossed in it in my work life. I think there is a balance to be found between professional and personal commitments and technology use. And that's why I think a tool like Smarty is in potentially such a great game changer in that way, because it's really about automating what you can, putting everything in a digital space so you can track it at any time and then disengaging or disconnecting and then using your time off of technology, off of technology. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious. Hey there, TechTastians. Is your team drowning in tech debt and you just wish you had a magic button to fix it? I want to introduce you to Vala AI, your tech debt hero. At Vala AI, we get it. You're busy. That's why we've made fixing tech challenges as easy as a click of a button. You don't need to be an engineer. We empower non-techies to conquer complex tech issues effortlessly. We understand you don't have time for tech headaches. Vala AI is here to lift that tech burden, making your tech debt disappear with a simple click. So ready to say goodbye to tech troubles? Try Vala AI. Your solutions are just a click away.